Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, are you guys ready for another question? Here it is. Would you rather be really good at juggling, unicycling, or card tricks? Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, I've never tried unicycle, so I have no idea. Uh, in we had to we had to learn how to juggle. Every kid in Glen Ellen learned how to juggle in gym class. Really? It was a unit every year in middle school for three years in a row. So we all had to learn how to juggle. We and, were preparing for yes, something in life. Like all yeah. different kinds, of, like every juggle with two kid people. <laughs> every, in Glen Ellen, juggle how to juggle. Juggle like rings. Juggle, you know, uh, the bowling pins. Do all the different kinds of juggling with you know multiple people, four at a time, whatever. We wow. we learned all these things. I can only do the really basic stuff now. But um, at but we, some point, <laughs> a group of grown adults on a board of education <laughs> sat in a room and decided, you know what, all the kids in Glen Ellen need. <laughs> No matter what, no matter what we do with the curriculum, they all must learn how to juggle. <laughs> That's yeah, that that happened. Yeah, square dancing and juggling. We all we all did it. Um, but I think I would pick card tricks, um, mm. mostly because juggling and unicycling feel like they're they're not very useful in many things. But you could like do a card trick in a lot of different settings. I, 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 you're kind of that guy if you do it. But still, like if it's really impressive, I think it's more versatile. Like yeah. I I I was at a wedding. Where a guy did a card trick that he like he had like set up years in advance by putting a card in his wife's purse so that when he found a deck of cards, he did it. And our minds were blown because somehow the card ended up in his wife's purse. But he had set it up like five years earlier when he's like, here, put this in your purse. And I, like the, the like forethought of that and the like moment of like, how did you do that was so worth it that if I could like pull that off, it would be it would be fun. Well, now we know how to do that trick. Yeah. There you go. All right. How about you, Eric? I'm trying to think of what card trick you have to plan five years in advance. He was so good. He was waiting for the moment. One that took a lot of dedication, apparently. I don't understand. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was explaining better uh, another time. Of all of the things you listed, which was what? Juggling, unicycling, and card tricks? Yep. Juggling. Juggling. Why? I have no good reason why. Okay. okay. I just think it would be the most fun to juggle. Nice. Really? Did you say really good? Really good. Yeah. I want to juggle really good. Really good at juggling. And I don't you... want to be really good at unicycling. What yeah. does that get you? <laughs> I, not much, probably. And I don't want to be putting cards in my wife's purse five years in advance and then waiting to unveil a card trick on people. It was, it was a good moment. It was. It was. It sounds like a good <laughs> Nikki, moment. Nikki, what about you? Um, mine would be card tricks because people will pay to see that stuff. Like, if you're a really good like. Yeah, I'm thinking of like, like David a, Blaine. Yeah, like really good at it, like illusionist with the cars and sh- like people will just like I don't know. It's just, I, like you, you see it. it, you know, magic shows. People will pay to see it. Yeah, people will see that. Pay to see that. I mean, stuff. maybe a full magic show. Yeah, but people don't just pay, pay to, to see, see a, a card, card trick. No, I get that, but like hey, I'm how thinking much would like you give me if I can do something cool. I'm with thinking these? like big scale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. You can make a show. People pay to go to the circus where there's unicyclists and jugglers. If you were really good. True. You could, there's no one in a three-ring circus out there doing card tricks for the audience. No, it's very true. It's very true. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know, you just ruined my dream. All right. Um, Clayton, what do, what do you got to tell people coming up this weekend? Hold on. He's been preparing this for five years. Clayton put this promo in his wife's purse five years ago. Are you just laughing because Eric crushed my dream? He's going to pull it out for everybody. Uh, Get ready, everybody. This is a five year 
in the coming promo. All yeah. right. So this weekend, uh, we have an Inspiring Stories weekend. We do this a few times a year as a way uh, for you to invite friends to come to church and hear a story that's really going to move you. We've got a musical artist named Blessing Offer, uh, who is an incredible musician. Uh, you may have heard some of his music uh, on the radio um, or on Spotify or wherever you listen. I'm old-fashioned, so I said radio. Um, but uh, he's coming. He also has a really compelling story. Um, he uh, was born uh, partially blind, but then lost all of his sight later in life. Uh, he also is uh, from Nigeria. He's also been through uh, a number of things in his life. So it's going to be a great story as well as uh, wonderful music. So uh, you're going to want to check that out uh, this weekend. Awesome. Uh, and then there are there is a concert, though, Sunday night as well, right? Do you want to tell people about that? Do we, do we want to tell people about yeah, that? Yeah, Blessing Offer is going to be juggling. Yes. And riding a unicycle. <laughs> and doing while, car tricks at the while same time. He sings <laughs> some songs that he wrote. Ticketed concert Sunday night. That's right. All right. What passage are we looking All at? All right. Playing? We are in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 5. That whole five. opening segment yeah. was great. Guys. Oh, that was, that was something else. Um, we can't li- evaluate our own podcast <laughs> no, episode in the we, middle of the episode. It was great. Hey, we're just really, I just, just want to just just affirm good. both of you right now. We are really rolling right now. <laughs> Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 5, so if you've been reading along in the Gospel of John, we've already had a number of stories where Jesus is starting to come on the scene, uh, doing more and more uh, miracles and, uh, you know, starting to get the word out, and uh, this is a a story where he actually goes into the city of Jerusalem, so this happens a few times in the Gospel of John where he makes a trip for a festival into the city of Jerusalem and uh, has some uh, interactions there. So we're going to read this starting in... uh, John 5, uh, verse 1, going through verse 14. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. All right, let's start with observations here. What do you guys see in this passage? The first thing I notice is the question Jesus asks the man and the answer the man gives Jesus. So the question Jesus asks is, do you want to get well? Which seems like an insulting question. But what I find interesting is the man does not directly answer Jesus' question. Hmm. 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Jesus asked, do you want to get well? It's a yes or no question. Hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like he's trying to explain why he didn't manage to get healed. Uh, there, there's a little background here, by the way, um, which is not, you know, this you'd have to have this in a note here. But the idea was people thought that at this pool, that at certain times when the pool kind of bubbled up, that this was an angel or something spiritual happening where if you got into the water, you would be healed. And if you were the first person in, you would receive a miracle. And so the guy is basically saying, well, let me, let me just explain to you why I've been here so long and have yet to receive any healing. It's, well, I didn't have anybody to help. And so I think what you're saying is like you're reading between the lines that maybe there's a different motive going on or different, you know, kind of, you know, that's not an honest answer completely. I don't think it is a completely honest answer. Uh, And of course, we are reading in between the lines and speculation is not the point of Bible reading. So but we'll explore this for just a moment. If, If you have someone. Well, let me just say it this way. It's not always obvious that people want to get well. It should never always be taken for granted. If you ask someone who is dealing with an addiction and you ask them, do you want to get well? They may want to, or they might be completely content living in their addiction at that, at that moment in life. Like not everybody wants to get well at the moment you ask them, do you want to get well? Do you, do you want the help that I'm about to bring you? Sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. I'm not sure with this guy. It feels like, it feels a little bit like an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's curious. It's curious that Jesus even asked the question. Yeah, like, like you know, we, we are reading between the line, and as Eric said, sometimes speculation is not what you're supposed to do. But there are times when, in a story, there is a, a line or a detail that is in there precisely to make you say, "Oh, wait, wait, what's going on below the surface?" And I do think this is one of those where you're, you you got to say, "Okay, why did Jesus ask that?" Because he wouldn't. He, Jesus doesn't ask random things. He's very intentional about what he says, and so to say. His desire to get well is one of the issues going on in the story. Is there? It, does he want it? And 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 you know, do we we need to explore that a little bit? Jesus says, and so I think you're right. Like there are people who sometimes they don't know what life would look like if they're actually freed from the thing that that was hampering them. Yeah. What happens if your identity is in your pain? What What happens if this man maybe he was just a beggar, and maybe he was totally content to go to that pool every day and lay there and. People gave him a little bit of money or gave him a little bit of food, and that's how he lived his life, and he had no imagination that life could or should be any different. 38 years is a long time to be in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you might say, after 38 years, what would I do? Like, I I, I don't even know how to figure out life. I've, I've only done it this way, you know? Well, what I think is interesting, too, is it's verse 6 says, when Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him. So I'm thinking to myself, like, did did Jesus ask someone else? Like, hey, who is that guy? And how long has he been here? You know what I mean? Like, he he was very inquisitive when he approached this situation to kind of see exactly what was going on. And, and you know, Jesus, being God, he didn't have to ask. He could know the, the heart and the motive of this guy. But he does start a conversation with him by asking a question. He wants to get an answer from him. And I think that's, it's telling because you want to hear what's going to come out of someone's mouth. Yeah, or, or maybe he knew that the man had been there for 38 years because he was already having a conversation with him. And we don't like yes. have that part yeah, of the conversation right. in, the, in the yeah. text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, another thing that I see here is in verse eight, um, you know, when he, he the, the man gives kind of the explanation of why he's, you know, not been healed before. 
And then Jesus just says, get up, <laughs> which again, like it feels like an insulting thing. Like first, first you say, well, do you actually want to get healed? And I don't know, that might not have been his tone, but like, there's something strange about the question. And then he just says, well, get up. Oh, like, obviously I can't get up. Like that's, that's the whole point of this thing. I don't know if you understand what's going on here, Jesus, but like, no, I can't do that. But Jesus just says, get up. Like it's a command. And in some ways, I think when the man actually does get up, it's like the best obedience in his life, right? Like, <laughs> like I actually, like the fact that you actually could obey the command, get up and uh, take your mat and go, um, is, is like just a profound gift to be like, I, I can't believe it. I actually can do that. Um, so I, it's just a, a striking interaction to me. Think about that. Think about that moment, those few seconds between when Jesus says, get up and the man gets up. What is going on in that guy's Mm -hmm. mind, his heart? He hasn't gotten up for 38 years. He doesn't know what it even feels like anymore. Yeah. Or how to do it. How do I, how do I even get up? Put yourself in those few seconds and you're that guy. And Jesus says, get up. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And how did he even do it? Like Mm -hmm. those, those few seconds are amazing. And what I think is striking to that is can, if you can imagine being in that situation and all the people that are there knowing who this guy is, if I were there, I would have been like, whoa, this guy just got up and he walked and he'd been here for, you know, 38 years. And then you've got the Jewish leaders that are like, why are you lifting up your mat? Like, yeah. put it down. That's against the rules. Like, they're not, they're not joyful at all. They're looking at it as if it's, I don't know, like, I guess the tone to me is like a bad thing. Yeah. And the, so it's on the Sabbath. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with the idea of the Sabbath is you don't, don't do any work on the Sabbath. Like that's the whole premise of the command. And so in that day, the, the leaders of the community were very serious about saying, we want to be obedient to what God says. So there's like a, a at root, uh, you know, an initial motivation that's good to say, we, we want to obey a command that God has given us. And yet it gets taken to such an extent that you've kind of missed the point. So at some point, you know, over time, it develops like here's all these technicalities of things you can and can't do on the Sabbath. And so they've gotten to a place where when they see a miracle, when they see someone being made whole, they say, no, 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 no. The important thing is these rules and maybe even just our elaboration of the rules, that sort of thing. But it's ironic because the whole meaning of the Sabbath it's like at the, the seventh day of creation when all is as it should be, when everything is whole and right and God says, yes, this is very good. Well, it's, isn't the perfect thing to do on the Sabbath is to heal somebody and to like enjoy the fact that your body is working. Like that feels like the most Sabbathy thing of all Sabbaths. And yet they're like, nope, you broke a rule. I, I can't even get my mind to imagine being one of those religious leaders right now. Like when I, just a, a moment ago when I said, imagine those few seconds before the man gets up, but now I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the religious leaders. They know, uh, it seems to me that from the, the, the reading of this, the context of this, you would, you would rightly assume that these, these religious leaders knew that this man was healed. They knew him to be an invalid and now they see him walking, carrying his mat. So they know he was healed. And that's not what they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about how he got healed, how he's walking, or who healed him. The first thing you're going to do is tell him not to carry his mat. I can't. My brain can't even go there. So I, in verse uh, 11, 
it's interesting. The they asked the man. They asked me like, you know, how this happened. He said the man who made me well said to do this. So when the 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 guy who was healed says. He doesn't know Jesus' name, so he just yeah. he comes up with a title for him. He's like the man who healed me. Like that's what I know. That's that's who Jesus is to me. He healed me. Well, the very next verse, when they refer to Jesus, they say the man who told you to pick up your mat and walk. Right? Like so, he focuses on the fact that this is the guy who healed me, and they focus on this is the guy who told you to break the rules. And like it's it's so focused that to say this is this is what this is the the important thing about him. He was a rule breaker, and encourage you to do that. But you're right. How do you get into that mindset of the the leader who is so concerned with that? Okay, verse 14 says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Insinuation, you were in that predicament in the first place because of your sin. Is that what Jesus is insinuating? Or... Hey, Clayton. Is this a, <laughs> oh, no. Or is this a veiled reference to the judgment of sin to come? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> hey, I didn't write it. We're reading it. I got hey, Clayton, though. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Hey, Clayton. Hey, Clayton. Is okay. Jesus insinuating that this man was an invalid for 38 years because of his sin? Um, so... Maybe. Okay, let me let me let me just make some really important qualifications before I answer that fully. Um, first, we are told regularly in scripture about situations where someone is in a a, a hardship of some kind, whether it's sickness or uh, a financial loss or the death of a loved one or something, where it is very very clear that this is not the result of the person's sin, okay? Job is the shining example of that. There are lots of other places where we, we are told, like, the sin in the world is the reason these things go wrong, but it's not someone's particular sin that led to that happening to that particular person. A really important one is actually in the Gospel of John. So later on in the Gospel of John, they come across a man who was born blind, and the disciples say, well, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his parents? You know, did he do something? What, what, what was it that caused this man to be blind? And Jesus is like, no, wrong question. He says, that's not, this is not the cause of that. That's not the reason for this. Don't go down that road because just because you come across someone who has, uh, you know, experienced something that's, that's bad doesn't mean that it's the result of their sin. It's not a punishment, okay? So that is not the default that you should go to. And yet, there are also occasions where God makes known that certain things happen to people as a result of their sin, either as the natural consequence of their sin that they did something that the, the result of those actions led to a, you know harm that was done to them or a situation they were in, or uh, God bringing something external to get their attention, to say, you know, you, you've done wrong, and therefore I'm going to uh, allow you to go into these hard circumstances as a way to get your attention so that you'll repent. Now, you shouldn't assume if you're going through something that that's what's going on, but there are occasions. And so it seems like, again, reading between the lines— that when Jesus comes to say this, that could be what he is alluding to. Now, I don't know if it means like, hey, if you sin again, you're going to get hurt and, you know, you'll be, you know, uh, you know, you know, stuck back at the pool again. I don't necessarily think that's what it's saying. Um, but it is implying like, hey, the important thing now is that you're walking faithfully with God and not, uh, you know, just presuming on that sort of thing. Yeah, so— I think there, there's two things here that are worth noting. One is when Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What we're seeing here is that Jesus healed a man 
not because of that man's faith in Jesus. That man didn't even know who Jesus was. Nor was this man even necessarily a God follower. The other thing worth noting is what Clayton just said. It is possible that this man's sin put him in the condition he's in. You can't say it definitively. You should, so like, as Clayton said, you should not always assume that people's physical ailment or their negative circumstance is a direct result of sin, nor should you rule it out categorically because we are fully integrated human beings. And we, we, so the, the mental us and the emotional us and the physical us and the spiritual us are all us. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are integrated and all of those things affect other parts of us. And so we definitely shouldn't as Westerners, Americans who are really good at categorizing everything. There's, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and we separate all of them. Uh, Interesting, James chapter 5. This is one of those places where it seems to put these things together for us. It says, is, any, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Interesting. That seems like a non sequitur, but it's not. That's why at Christ Community Church, uh, once a month when we celebrate communion together as a part of our weekend worship services, we have the elders of the church available for prayer, and they'll pray for any any need, but they're specifically there to pray for people for healing. And one of the things that will happen if someone in our church goes to the elders for prayer is they will ask a question uh, that is based on the verse that says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven, which seems to insinuate that sometimes, not all the time, sickness can be related to sin issues. And so they'll ask the question, is there anything that you think God might be trying to get your attention on or about? It's giving them an opportunity to confess sin. So that's our, that's our normal practice at Christ Community Church. And so I think it's important for our listeners to, to hear this and really embrace it. Clayton is 100% right. We should not run around assuming that every time someone is sick or something negative is going on in their life, that is because of some sin in their life. That would be judgmental, mean, harsh, and wrong. But we also need to recognize that we are fully integrated beings and there is really a spiritual world and sin really can affect the physical realm. I've got one last observation here. I think it's uh, interesting the way the the passage refers to the man shifts. So at the beginning, it talks. He says he's an invalid. He's you know he you know, he's uh, paralyzed there, and yet afterwards it says the man who was healed, the man who was healed. And so there there is a shift of identity that um, it even goes back to kind of what we were saying before, where someone can get so wrapped up in. Um, whatever their problem is, whatever, whatever the, their situation is, that that becomes for you and for the people around you, the main thing that's true about you. It's, this is the, oh, it's that person who's in that circumstance, right? And, and even in your own head, you can kind of just think of yourself as that category first and that's it. But then after you've encountered Jesus, there's something that shifts that now you, what, what defines you? I'm a person that Jesus healed. I'm a person who's received grace. I'm a person who's been forgiven. I'm a person who, you know, has has been redeemed and rescued. I'm this is this is now the story that defines me. And it's a subtle shift there, but I think it's 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 really true. Um th- this man can no longer be identified with with what he was before. He is not someone who Jesus has healed. All right, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. Let's talk about message. So if you're going to take something you observed and uh summarize a principle from that from this passage, how would you do it? 
My message would be, even Jesus started conversations by asking questions. Okay, I'm going to piggyback on Nikki's message, talking about Jesus asking questions. And my message is going to be Jesus's question, word for word. Do you want to get well? Uh, My message is, after encountering Jesus, our pain no longer defines us. All right, let's go on to the other M in comma, which is meditation. And I I think I'm going to use the the verse that Eric just referenced as the prompt for our our, our meditation time. So I'll give you about 45 seconds, and I want you to ponder this question. Ponder it for yourself. Do you want to get well? Let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do we do in response to this? So my application, based on my message, even Jesus started conversations by asking questions, um, is I've always had this belief that the quality of my questions will determine the depth of the relationships that I have with people. And I know that's something only qualifier for having deep relationships with people. But I want to ask questions and I want to be someone who is very intentional with the people in my life. And part of that um, is about getting to know them and what it is that they are joyful about, uh, struggling with, um, how, what, what is going on in their life right now. And so for me, um, I want to remember that I need to slow down. I need to take the time uh, to come alongside of the people that God's placed in my life right now in this season and find out what it, what it is that I can pray about for them, uh, what's going on in their life that maybe they might need some help with. Um, because, uh, I just, I want them to know I'm there to support them. Okay, my message is Jesus' question, which is, do you want to get well? And the the quote that's rattling through my head is, people often don't change until the pain to stay the same is greater than the pain to change. So the application is to really ask that question in any area of your life. What is causing me to stay in my current condition? Because you can say all day long, I really want things to be different. I really want things to change. I really want to get well. But are those just words or do you really want it? So my message is that after Jesus, after encountering Jesus, our pain no longer defines us. And I think the application is, for a lot of us, is to actually kind of capture those thoughts that have you drifting back to the way that things were that are no longer true in Christ. And, uh, you know, I, for for some folks, it's, you, you just kind of always go back to, you, you're telling the story of that thing that happened to you or the way that, it, you know, how hard it is for you or whatever. And there are occasions where this case, but you, you go back there all the time. Like it becomes the kind of the gravity that sucks you in. And it's saying, no, I don't, I don't actually have to go there. Um, for me, sometimes it's in my own mind. 
I kind of slip into attitudes and, and, and feelings that it's like, well, no, I don't have to feel that. So uh, a, a simple little application. So I've mentioned before that all, all through my life, I've had ups and downs with depression and anxiety. And, um, and that's part of how I'm wired. And I have to be really proactive about kind of how I, how I manage those things. Um, but I've, I've been in a really good season. So the, the last, you know, six, nine months have been really good. And I'm like, man, I, I feel great. I like, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel that. And, and there's a part of me that's like, but should you, you know, like, and I know that's twisted. If, if you're, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I was actually listening. This is, this is crazy. I was listening to blessing offers music, right? So I'm getting ready for this weekend and, and like getting to know his music and stuff. And he's got a lot of happy songs and there, there's some songs that I'm like, man, it's just so joyful. And there's a little part of me that holds back. Right. Cause I, cause I'm, you know, I'm used to being anxious. I'm used to whatever. And they're like the voice of the Holy spirit the other day was like, you know, you're allowed to be happy. Like, it's totally okay to just like enjoy feeling joyful with this song. There are some of us who need to know, like in Christ, that old stuff is not what defines you. You have permission to step into the fullness of, I'm a healed person. I'm a free person. I'm a forgiven person. That all can be true. And you can feel that and not have to keep going back to the the gravity of the thing before. Very good, Clayton. All right, friends, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along with us, check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and to start reading with us. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we will talk to you next week.